Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to this special edition of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. We're recording this just hours after Manchester United have confirmed that Eric Ten Hag will become their new permanent manager at the end of the season. I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined today by Tyrone Marshall to talk all about the appointment and what we can expect from United's new manager. So Ty, I guess it's not a very well-kept secret, Ten Hag becoming the next United manager, but particularly after the defeat on Tuesday night, this is the lift which United fans might need. And finally... You know, the pieces are in place for United to actually plan ahead for the summer. They know who the manager is going to be. You know for players who the, who's going to be in charge. You can start making those promises, start identifying targets. And it's really crucial for United, wasn't it, to, to get this man in place long before the end of the season. Yeah, I think that was a key reason they wanted it done early and, and you know, in, in April, really, to to not only give clarity to those players that are there. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's obviously a lot of players out of contract. We, we kind of know what's going to happen with most of those but also to transfer targets. A lot of them are going to want to know who their manager is going to be next season. And United needed that clarity. They needed to offer that clarity. The transfer window doesn't open until June the 10th, but this is the time of year when contact is being made with agents, when you know moves are being sounded out, when interest is being gauged, all those talks go on behind the scenes. And one of the first questions of any agent of a player United want to sign is, well, who's the manager? And now they can say it's Eric Ten Hag. So they did need that clarity. It's great to have the lift. Like you say, it's, it's not been a well-kept secret. I think it's, you know, for a, probably a month now, we've all known it's it's going to be Eric Ten Hag. There's been stories every day in various publications trying to nudge it one step closer in the demand for United content. But it has just been a case of of waiting for this announcement. And, you know, the, the players, the, the, I think there's always been the, the, the sense that probably some of the players in that dressing room prefer Pochettino. I think in recent weeks, they've probably done their best to put Ten Hag off the job, haven't they? Um, I mean, if Tuesday night wasn't going to put him off, then nothing nothing is going to put him off. So, thankfully, he has, uh, he has seen past that. He has accepted what he saw on, on Tuesday night. <clears throat> Not a great week for him personally. He's probably quite glad of this announcement as well. Having lost the cup final on <laughs> Sunday with his current team and then seen his new team embarrassed at Anfield on Tuesday. But got the appointment sorted on, on Thursday. And like you say, it's uh, kind of a clean slate, I guess, and a chance to, to plan ahead to this summer now. Exactly. And I think, like you said there, in terms of the players, maybe some of them wanted Pochettino instead. There's not many jobs where you get to choose your boss, are they? So it's probably just as well that United are going to have someone in that, you know, maybe will challenge some of the players and challenge some of the ideas which are already in place. Now, United say that the reason they hired Ten Hag is because he's most closely aligned with the club's identity and strategy. They alluded to his success in Ajax, you know, building two sides who've done well in Champions League, particularly after the player sale of Matthias de Ligt and Frenkie de Jong after that run to the semi-finals in 2019. Um, he's viewed as someone who's exciting, a consistent manager in Europe. He's worked at Bayern Munich uh, and alongside Pep Guardiola. Ajax is, you know, a massive club, but it's not on the same level as United. Ty, there's a lot of excitement, maybe because Ten Hag is still somewhat of an unknown, somewhat mm. of an enigma. I mean, like we will be honest, we don't watch 
Ajax play domestic games. We we watch them in the Champions League and you see clips here and there. But do you still think it's a massive risk that United have gone for him? I do, but I think there was an element of a gamble in whoever they went for this year. Um, I said on previous podcasts, I don't think there was an awful lot between Pochettino and Tenag. I think they both had different strengths, both different, um, not weaknesses, but concerns. Obviously, what's happened with Pochettino in Paris is a concern. But Ten Hag, like you say, he's he, he has restored Ajax to the top of the Dutch game. You know, they hadn't won the league for I think four years, three or four years before he arrived. He's looks like he's going to win three titles now. Um, that 2018-19 team was phenomenal, um, and they do play good football. I think you're right that a lot of the support he's getting is because he's a bit of an unknown. Um, you know, Dutch football is not as far as I'm aware, it's not on telly in the UK. Um, so the only time we've seen him is in the Champions League and in Europe. And his the group stage results this year were phenomenal. I thought absolutely phenomenal. Because they had a pretty testing group with Besiktas, Sporting and Borussia Dortmund to win all six games. I think the big Dortmund 7-1 across two games it was phenomenal. But they should have got past Benfica. No doubt about that. They should have beaten Benfica over two legs. Um so I think certainly, you know, he's, he's the overwhelming choice amongst United fans, I think. I think part of that is that he plays exciting football. Part of that is that he's a bit of an unknown and Pochettino's not. We know Pochettino now. We've seen him for years. And, you know, there's this idea that Ten Hag is, is the next big thing in coaching. He's, he's had to work his way to this position, but he's, he's still two years older than Pochettino, which... <laughs> Seems bizarre to, to say, really. And I was before this announcement was made, I was speaking to, to Teddy Sheringham for some stuff on United, which is going to be coming out over the next few days. And even he was talking about how Ten Hag is, you know, the younger manager, the more exciting manager. He would have gone for Pochettino, but was talking about Ten Hag being the younger option. And I think it's, you know, it, it feels strange to consider that he is two years older than Pochettino because he is seen as the next big thing. And I think a lot of that is because we don't know a lot about him. We've seen his teams do well very well in europe and then fairly well in in europe um but we don't see them on a weekly basis we don't see what they're doing in in the netherlands so there is that that element of the unknown and you're right that ajax you know ajax is a huge club in holland but it's nothing compared to united and this club can and has recently been eating managers alive so he's going to have quite the shock i think when he gets here and realizes just how big this squad is or how big this club is, sorry, how much power is in the dressing room. He's never, you know, the, the ego of Sebastian Haller and Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, is, is incomparable. He's never managed players at this level. So there's certainly elements there that are a risk, but I still think it's it's a pretty exciting appointment. Exactly. And you, you mentioned there as well, Ty, that maybe the, the culture shock he might have. I think you can even see that sort of Ralph Raniak experience since he came in. He came in with all these sort of promises. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. He identified the issues and he's learned himself that it's identifying the issues is one thing, but actually having the power and the authority to implement those changes required is a different thing. So it's going to be really interesting to see the sort of structural changes. And you mentioned there just how important it is for Ten Hag to be surrounded by a good sort of group of people as well who can support him and can ensure that he's not sort of held solely responsible for for any issues that do occur. And, you know, but alternatively, I'm sure he'll want a lot of credit if, if things do start to go well as well. So, Ty, you mentioned there the, uh, the timing of the announcement. Interesting in the fact that Ajax did lose in the Dutch Cup final at the weekend to PSV. They are still, I think, four points ahead of PSV in the t- title race with five games left. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I mean, losing a cup final 
I know he probably is overly qualified to be a United manager on that basis, but <laughs> in terms of the, the leagues as well, this if they are successful, would be a third league title. There's always going to be naysayers who say, well, it's only winning in Holland. But if you boil it down, it's still the same characteristics and sort of management um, skills required mm. to win a title in any league, isn't it? So do you see that as a massive advantage for him that he is not only someone who's won major trophies, but looks like he could win a, a domestic title this season as well? Yeah, he's got experience of winning those titles. They've been in a couple of tight title races, I think, this year is one of them, for example. Um the pandemic season was was curtailed, but they were joint top at, at that point. Um, I think with AZ, maybe. Um, certainly wasn't one of the usual big suspects. So he's got that experience, and also he's got that experience of, of when he came to Ajax. They'd not they'd not won the league. Like I, said, I think it might have been four years. It was certainly three or four years. I think that they'd not won the league. So that's you know, in a way, for Ajax, that's comparable to United not winning the league for nine years because Ajax would expect to be winning it every year in Holland. So he did go into a club that expected its fortunes to be turned around, that needed its fortunes to be turned around. He reached those that Champions League semi-final. Until then, they hadn't even been out of the groups since 2006. So they were underperforming every year in Europe. So he has shown at Ajax that he can get a grip of a club that needs its fortunes turning around. I mean, there are, there are differences. When he went in at Ajax in December 2017, I think it was, they were second. I think they were only five points off, off PSV Eindhoven at the time. So they weren't... They weren't doing catastrophically bad, and United are doing catastrophically bad. So there are there are differences. He will need time. Um, you know, Don Murta talked about a long-term vision. I'm impressed with, impressed with the long-term vision in interviews, I think is is key. He needs to be given the long term. But in terms of experiences, you know, it's it's not directly comparable with with Ajax, because like we say, the size of the club is very different. But he did take over a club that expects to be winning and wasn't winning at Ajax and turned it around. So he has done, on a smaller scale, he has done what United need, really. And you mentioned there as well, you know, well, we have mentioned, sorry, in the podcast, how important it is that he has the right people in place and around him to support him as well. And Ty, you've done the story today uh, in terms of his backroom staff saying that Mitchell van der, van der Gaag, I believe it is, his assistant sorry, at, yeah. at Ajax is, is close to joining him at United as well. What is the latest in terms of the backroom staff? And, maybe even just personal opinion, anyone currently at the club that you can expect to, to stay on as well under Ten Hag? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a tricky one. A lot, of, certainly the coaches that came in, I think with um, Ralph Ranić will go. I think they were always interim appointments and it does feel like Ten Hag has got pretty much free reign to, to sort out his own backroom staff. Certainly the, the coaches close to him. Um, like I say, Van der Gag is expected to come in, or Van der Gag, however we say it, Mitchell for now. Um, <laughs> they've not finalised that deal yet, but Ten Hag wants him, and United say it's it's pretty much going to happen. Um, he's you know he he's a very experienced coach in his own right. He's managed in in Portugal, in Greece. He's managed in three teams in Holland. He was in charge of Ajax's B team, I think, until last summer when he's promoted um, to Ten Hag. Obviously likes his, likes his work, and not only because he is the spitting image of him. I mean, it's confusing to know which one's which <laughs> at times when they're next to each other on photos. Um, but yeah, in terms of that, I mean, the, you know, you've got Eric Ramsey as a set piece coach, who I, I guess the, the jury's out on for a lot of people. Um, United have now scored from corners twice, I think, this season. So that is a, a considerable Massive improvement success. from last season. You'd have to say, I think it's maybe 100% improvement. So... 
you have to say, you know, you have to be impressed with that. His work is also about stopping him conceding from corners, which they have done. Um, and he is, you know, Eric Ramsey is a very highly rated coach. He's, he's from the same part of the world as me. And I don't particularly know him, but I know people who worked with him at, at Shrewsbury um, when he was coaching at Shrewsbury. And, you know, he was, I think he was 28 when he was coaching at Shrewsbury. And when Shrewsbury sacked their manager at one point, he was in the frame for that job at, at 28. He was that highly rated and ended up being poached by Chelsea to work with their under-23s. So, you know, he is, this. that wasn't a job for the boys' appointment under Solskjaer. Uh, Rami Ramsey is one of the most mm. highly rated coaches in the country. So the, there's a, a good chance, I would think, that he will stay and get the chance to improve on that. The goalkeeping coaches as well. We've got Richard Hartis, um, Craig Mawson there at the moment. They've worked with De Gea. So I guess there's a chance they'll stay. Beyond that, in terms of the... You know, the assistant and the first team coaches, I think there, there is probably some free reign for Ten Hag to appoint who he wants. And it is expected that beyond van der Gaag, he, he will bring in other members of his backroom staff that he wants to bring with him. Obviously, the, there's been plenty of reports and speculation that he could look to bring someone who's got links to United. We've seen mm. Mullenstein, McLaren, Van Persie, lots of people, Lee Yapstam, you know, all people have a link to United. Do you think that is important that you get someone on the, on the coaching staff who understands the club and how it works, how they function? Or do you think that is something that maybe sounds nice on paper, but, you know, like you said, jobs for the boys, bringing back some of the old guard doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a successful sort of pathway there? Yeah, well, I mean, he could just keep Mike Phelan, couldn't he, if he wants uh, if he wants someone in in that role. Um, I mean, it's it's certainly not essential. I guess one of the one of the things that maybe counts against him is his lack of of Premier League experience. I mean, that that can be overblown. Pep Guardiola didn't have any Premier League experience. Jurgen Klopp didn't have any Premier League experience. It took them time to to get used to the league, and the demands mm. certainly are different. Uh, but it's not essential. Steve McLaren, you know, we worked. He worked at United a long time ago. He clearly, you know, he he clearly got a good football brain. But you just wonder when they're appointing a, a relatively young coach, how how much he would necessarily have to add. I mean, he almost becomes a slightly younger version of of Phelan, potentially, doesn't he? Um, it would need to be an appointment that Ten Hag wants and can offer something, um, because there's a lot of people to lean on there already. You've got a football director in John Murta, a technical director in Daniel Fletcher, who used to play for United, who probably won't be as visible on match days and on the training pitches next year. You've got the ear of Ralph Ranić to bend on um, on his consultancy role. So I don't think you need to bring someone in just because they know United and they know the Premier League. If you want to bring someone in like McLaren or Van Persie because you think they've got something to offer and can improve and help, then, then go for it. But I don't think they need another token appointment just to say, Look, here's Steve McLaren. He used to work at United. He knows the Premier League. He can, you know, he can offer us some advice because there's already a lot of people there who can offer advice in Murta, Fletcher, Ranić, and that sort of, you know, that structure and that dynamic needs to be pretty clear on on how it's going to work. I think that also to kind of point that United has been such a mess for almost a decade now that having someone who has experience of, of that or whatever doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be any success anyway. They need to move away from what they've done. And if Ten Hag, you know, I, I, like you said, that I think ultimately it has to come down to what the manager wants and whatever he wants, they should they should grant this summer because that's why you've appointed him. There's no point appointing a manager and they're not backing up his demands or what he sees fit and, and the changes which are implemented. And 
Another key factor, I think, as well, will be when he actually gets to sit down with Ranić and they get to have a lengthy discussion about this is what you're walking into, this is what needs to change, and sort of a heads up on on the issues faced there, and you know, still unclear just how much sort of authority Ranić will have in the long term. Suggestions are it won't be that important of a role, and you know, it's only advisory anyway, so United don't have to listen to him. So I think it'll be really interesting to to hear what Ten Hag is is told by Ranić and the sort of chats they have now. Ty. It's a three-year deal with the option of a fourth. That's customary for United. They do that with almost every player contract at every level. You know, we've seen that with Matic this summer as well. There's that break clause, which won't be taken up. But United have said, and they've remained adamant, that they are going to be patient. They're going to give the manager time. There's some club figures who maybe are a bit offended by the by the comments of Ranić saying it could take sort of six years to catch up with Liverpool, you know, saying that City and Liverpool are so far ahead. And the answer is there is no, there is no sort of formula or timeline of how long it's going to take United to get back to the top if they ever actually do. You know, one good summer could change that. City or Liverpool could implode next season. There's so many, so much mitigation, so much circumstance. United are saying they're going to give Ten Hag time. Do you actually see them following through with their words? What if United next season are even worse than they are this season? Because so many players are leaving. Yeah. A lot of the squad will be new. The manager will be new. What if United are mid-table next season? What if they are 10th, 11th? What then? Do you think Ten Hag does get the time? Or do you think it's just what any club would say when they're hiring a new manager? Uh, I'm not sure he does get the time. I don't think there's anything in United's recent history to suggest he will get the time. He certainly needs the time. Um, I mean, if he has that chat with with Ralph Ranić, then, you know, Ranić is going to do a lot of talking because you get the impression that he is just exasperated by what he is finding. And you can tell bit by bit, press conference by press conference, he's just, you know, the shoulders are going down a little bit more and he's starting to become a little bit more open. And, you know, he was pretty scathing on, on Tuesday night. And I, you know, I was in the process of writing this piece, actually, that he's... He talked about being six years behind Liverpool because that's when Klopp was appointed. He also spoke about them finishing, Liverpool finished eighth in Klopp's first season. I mean, if United finish sixth next year, which is entirely possible because, like you say, this squad is having a huge turnover to squad that's clearly not good enough. It's lacking characters. It's lacking in mentality. Rannick talked of 10 signings. I mean, there's not a chance that's going to happen. It'll be a hell of a summer if United sign five players, to be honest. Um so I think next year, this squad is still going to be short of where it needs to be. And it's going to be Ten Hag's first season. They might have the difficulty of the Europa League or the Conference League to contend with. That Thursday-Sunday schedule is really tough. It's impossible to mount a title challenge from that position. It might be hard to mount a top four challenge. And if Ten Hag finishes sixth next year, what will United do? I think they'll sack him. Um, I, know, I, don't, I don't think there's much doubt about that. And in, in his press conference on Tuesday... Ten Hag, Ranić spoke about how you need time, that Klopp finished eighth in his first season, but bit by bit, window by window, Liverpool signed players to play under Klopp. They had the faith in the manager and cleared out the squad, cleared players Klopp didn't want, signed players he did want, and look where they are now. United need to do that with Ten Hag, but over the last nine years, they've not shown any inclination to do that. And if they finish sixth next year, they need to say, well, this is part of a process. We knew it was going to take time. Who do you want to get rid of? Off they go. Who do you want to come in? In they come. And they need to be patient. But I don't think they'll do it. And there was... Ten Hag, uh, Ranić spoke about that on, on Tuesday. And there was a question in... What was a you know a fairly hostile press conference at times? But there was a question that... I, I can't remember who asked it. But someone just said, 
he's not going to get six years though, is he? You know, Ten, Ten Hag is not going to get six years. And, um, you know, Randy said, well, we've seen it in our own city with, with Guardiola. We've seen it with Liverpool, with Klopp. It's not just a Liverpool thing. Clubs do give managers time, but United never have done. They need to this time. Like I say, that, I thought the, the, the big line from John Mercer in, in the announcement was that we were impressed with his long-term vision. Well, that's not success next season. That's unlikely. The following season's unlikely. I don't think they'll have won the league by the end of his three-year contract. I think it would be a major shock if they have done because I can't see them winning the league while Klopp and Guardiola are still here at the moment. But that doesn't mean it's been a success. It's going to, it's going to be a process like it was to a degree for City. And you've got to remember City were planning for Guardiola well before he arrived. Like it was for Liverpool, it's going to take time and they have to, they have to be true to their word on that long-term vision. And if they finish sixth again next season, just accept that it's part of the process rather than saying, right, you've had your chance, who's, who's next? Because at the moment, that's only taking them backwards. Exactly, and they'll only find themselves in the same problem again because you'll have a new manager, maybe a new ethos, maybe a new playing style, new players favoured, and it'll just be an absolute ludicrous decision. But like I said, maybe time for positivity. Let's not talk about Ten Hag being sacked before he's even <laughs> taken true. the job. But Ty, you mentioned there in terms of the overhaul this summer, everyone who's out of a contract is expected to leave upon expiry of their contract. Matic's going to go as well on top of that. Any players that you think will prosper under Ten Hag? I know there's lots of speculation about Donny van der Beek potentially having a new amplified role. Obviously, they work together at Ajax. Dean Henderson, a keeper who Ten Hag tried to sign on loan in, in January himself. Um, you know, it's got to be interesting to see the playing style and how he can actually implement it in the Premier League. There is, you know, this hopeful belief that he can do something similar to what he's done at Ajax. You know, sort of a four-three-three variant, kind of what United do already, but I know an emphasis on pressing but on playing up from the back on quick interchanges breaking the lines what do you actually expect for United do you think that the style of play will change significantly and like I said do you think there's any players who have a bright future under Ten Hag and any players in the club now who you think they're not going to quite fit in with what he likes I think the style is going to take time he you know he's different to Ranić, but like most modern managers excuse me he likes he likes an ultra aggressive approach off the ball and Ranjit came with that idea and abandoned it in no time. And, you know, to watch United Liverpool on Tuesday, there was one team who pressed phenomenally well and one team who didn't press at all, really. Um, so he's going to find the same issues as, as Ranjit, that this isn't a squad built to play that way. So it's going to take time, I think, to get the style right. Um, in terms of players, the goalkeeper one is interesting. Uh you know, I, I don't think De Gea is particularly compatible with how he wants to play, but I'm not sure he'll see it as a priority this year. I'm not sure he'd be bold enough to throw Henderson in and to just drop De Gea when he's probably going to win, or if not win player of the year, he'd certainly be second behind Ronaldo. Um, so I think it would be a brave call. I think Van der Beek will get another chance purely due to the, a numbers issue. They're losing so many midfielders this year that in terms of senior midfielders, they're going to be left with Fred, McTominay, Fernandez, and Van der Beek. And, you, you know, you maybe bring Garner in as a fifth and then sign another one, <clears throat> sign a proper holding midfielder. And then you've got six, but I don't think they're going to sign two or three midfielders when there's other areas of squad that need improvement. So I think Van der Beek will get a chance just because of the numbers situation. Um, I think Fred, because of his pressing, will be key again next season. Defensively, I think fullbacks is a real a real concern. I think, you know, Luke Shaw's the only decent fullback they've got. Tellez positionally is all over the place at times. Um, Wamba Saka is just not good enough. Dallow, I'm just not sure he's good enough. 
Um, so I think fullback is going to be a concern. Central defence, they might they might, they might need someone else if if you know. I think Bayi Bayi is going to want to go after what happened yeah. on Tuesday. We've well, got Bayi Jones and Twanzebe there, haven't you? Exactly. Yeah, all, all three of them will probably want to leave and, and play more football elsewhere. Twanzebe's had two nightmare loads this year. It's hard to see him coming back to United on the back of those and forcing his way in. So I think all three will want to go. Varane will obviously be a key part of it. Maguire, you just wonder. I mean, I've been saying for a while, I think it would help him if the captain's armband was taken off him, but he's struggled for form a lot this season. You know, he was poor again on, on Tuesday. So I think it'd be interesting to see what Ten Hag does with him in the captaincy. And then in, in forward areas, um, I think Rashford will be an interesting one. I can't see United selling him this year. And you just, you know, there's clearly a good player in there. You just hope this acts as kind of a, a reset for him and he has a good break in the summer and, and comes back ready to prove his points. Sancho has had an okay season but needs to go to the next level. And then strike is going to be interesting as well because they clearly need a younger forward. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the end for Ronaldo. I think it's going to be more down this year to what Ronaldo wants to do, whether he wants to play in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. But that 2018-19 that Tenag team was built around Tadic as a false nine. This current team, they signed a six-foot-three-inch striker in Haller in the summer and playing Tadic on the left wing, swinging crosses into him. So... Tanaga's shown he's pretty versatile. You know, he might decide to play Sancho down the right, swinging crosses in for Ronaldo. We know how, how good he is in the air. So I don't think it's necessarily the end for Ronaldo. I think it's more down to him. But there's certainly, you know, four or five areas of that squad that, that need to be looked at this summer. And I know you've written as well this week, Ty, that it's inevitable some areas will get overlooked this summer because you simply can't strengthen every position that needs to be strengthened. Mm. But on the flip side as well, with so many players out of contract anyway, there's certain players who might not be in the long-term vision of the club who you can't afford to get rid of. Because like you said there, Rashford, even if he was looking at other options, I just don't think you can afford to get rid of another forward, given what they've already got at the club. Like you said, Van der Beek and Henderson might have to be sort of billed as, as like new signings for United, might need to help supplement what's happening. But another interesting point that United made was they were really keen and impressed with how Ten Hag has implemented youth during his time at Ajax as well. And again, that sort of brings on to the previous point that he could at least supplement the squad with some youngsters at the end of the season. You know, Garnacho and Hannibal were both on the bench at Anfield on Tuesday night, Alvaro Fernandez would certainly be an option at fullback. You know, as an understudy to Luke Shaw, I'm sure that would be quite popular with supporters yeah. as well. But yeah, I think, you know, like I said now, it's going to be a very exciting time for United fans and it's sort of given them a lift towards the end of the season. My final question for you then, Ty, is going to be the timing of the contract, like we said at the start, you can understand why United have done it because they want to have a smooth transition once the season ends. They want to hit the ground running, not make the mistakes they had under David Moyes. You know, he said that he felt, you know, a bit sort of limited in in, in what he could do in the first summer because he, he joined so late and, you know, that was was a mess from the beginning. You know, I want to learn from that past error. But, you know, the elephant in the room for Ajax has been that Ten Hag's going to leave. He's been asked about it at every press conference, every media briefing, and he's always had to say, no, I'm focused on the here and now. Now that he knows he's going to United, there's the statements out there, Van der Sar's given him his backing and said, you know, all the best for the future, but we need to concentrate on the here and now. Mm. What would, would you be concerned if Ajax didn't win the league now? Like we said, they're four points clear, five games left. If they conceded that title, would that be a warning sign? Um... I think it certainly wouldn't be great. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of the negativity to Pochettino is that he's he you know he, he 
bottled the Champions League game. He, he bottled the title race against Leicester with Tottenham. So I don't think it would be a great look if they didn't get over the line. I think they will do. I think this announcement probably helps them. There was always a sense they didn't want it before the cup final. Maybe they should have had it before the cup final because obviously they, they lost that and they lost the chance of a double. And although they were playing PS3, they were heavy favourites. Um, so I think, you know, I think they need to get over the line. I think it, if they don't, it would only lead to questions coming around this summer and immediately would put that thought in people's mind of, hang on a minute, what's, you know, what's, what's happening here? He needs to, he needs to come in on the, on a wave of goodwill and look at what he's just achieved at Ajax really. So I think it would be slightly concerning. I, I don't think it would help sort of the narrative and his, his standing when he starts the job. I don't think it will happen, but like I say, it's, it's not done yet. And the, the cup final defeat would have been particularly annoying annoying for him and annoying for Ajax given all the noise around him this this over the last sort of few weeks and the fact you know he's so steadfastly refused to answer questions it's been it's been in the background for Ajax for a while really so maybe having it out there will will take away the distractions and I'm sure they'll be desperate to win the league now and I think they almost certainly will but yeah if they don't and if they do collapse between now and the end of the season it it's uh, it won't be a great look but it's probably it'd probably be the curse of Man United wouldn't it <laughs> Uh, last question for you then, Ty. Uh, we've got a survey on the MAN now, which anyone listening to the podcast can get involved with themselves. It'll be embedded to, I think, every story we do relating to Ten Hag. And it's on our socials as well. We put out the question, rather simple one. Is Ten Hag the right appointment for United? And can he bring success back to the club? We've both said how important time will be. Probably both is not expecting anything immediately to improve next season. But Ty... That's the question for you. Do you think Eric Ten Hag can bring success to United or do you think that the club will get too impatient before he has time to implement the type of change which is required? I think he can. I certainly think he can. I'm not 100% convinced he will. Um, I think the first season will be instructive. I wouldn't be concerned if they finish sixth, if they show signs of taking on board his style, if you start to see obvious progress. Like you say, this is this is not going to be an appointment and expect to challenge City and Liverpool next year. They, It'd be a surprise if they got within a dozen points of City and Liverpool next year. There has to be patience. So I think, you know, I, I think he's the best appointment that could have could be made this summer, really. I think they've missed out on on better appointments at other, other times. Uh, I think the issue is in, in all those appointments post-Fergie up until now, they've never appointed, maybe with the exception of Mourinho, they've never appointed the best manager at that time. And this year, they they probably have done. It was always between Ten Hag and Pochettino. Like I say, I, I don't think there's a huge amount between them. The real elite managers, Nagelsmann, Klopp, Guardiola, just aren't going to go to United at the moment. They're not as an attractive proposition as they were when maybe Van Gaal and Mourinho were appointed. So of those available, I think they, they looked at the best ones available. I think they've probably got the best one. I think, like you say, he's... He's more exciting than Pochettino, I think. But it's going to take time. It's going to take him time to get used to the Premier League. It's going to take him time to get his ideas across. He definitely can bring success back to the club. But I don't see it happening within the next year, probably the next two years. I just think it needs to be, you know, it, it, there needs to be a lot of patience here. But if he's given that time, then he's, he's proven at Ajax that 
you can build teams that play superb football and win big trophies. Yeah, exactly. I think you summed it up perfectly well there, Ty. But regardless of what happens, and no matter what does happen, we will be with you every step of the way on the Manchester Evening News. Like we said, that survey will be in all of our stories at the moment. Like I said, you can stick with us for the rest of the week in, in terms of all the reaction and insight into why United have appointed Eric Ten Hag. I'm sure we'll be doing a podcast as well, maybe even tomorrow, to reflect on the... Uh, Ralph Rannick presser ahead of the Arsenal game. Look ahead to that trip to the Emirates. And if not, we will back, be back early next week anyway to reflect on that and look ahead to the game with Chelsea. So Eric Ten Hag is the new Manchester United manager in waiting. Tyrone Marshall, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester is Red podcast. No problem. Thank you, Rich. And thank you very much wherever you are in the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will see you again next time.